it's it's weird doing announcements right before you speak because it feels like we should meet and greet again. Yeah. And I'm sure they'd be happy with that. So. I wanted to add real quick to the Bruce Arnold uh, thing. He, he let us know at lunch last week that we are now, uh, because of the giving changes that he experienced because of COVID, we are now the biggest giving community to Bruce. We are his biggest supporter. He was like, oh, that's exciting. And then it's also like, oh, my. Except for we give him $145 a a month. month. Right now. Um, But the council last month gave an emergency $1,500. And then we gave $2,200 this last week. So um, he was $4,000 short. He was $4,000 shy of actually having to close the doors of of the ministry. And so we've covered most of that gap for him, and we're going to continue to pray, and the council is praying about how we might uh, increase our support in the long haul. So you can be praying with us about that, but I wanted to add that about Bruce. Um, So there you go. And then next week, uh, I'm really glad we didn't have any of the special guests come on Daylight Savings Time. So last week was really a great turnout, and so I'm hoping you'll come next week and hear Jonathan with uh, World Relief. And then the final week, we got our very own Audrey that's going to speak for us. So, And he hasn't spoken in a long time, so I'm excited to have you. I guess you spoke when we were gone. He's like, no, I spoke. <laughs> I wasn't here. I listened to it, though. If you guys haven't listened to that on our podcasts, I encourage you to listen to the last time Audrey spoke about processing and what he heard and learned from God on sabbatical. I thought it was really good. So, yeah. So we're going to start by reading the text today. It's kind of a, we don't have like this big, great story to start things. So we're going to start by, well, this actually is the big, great story, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, the big, great story is in the Bible. <laughs> Funny. Uh, and we're, we're actually looking at our Old Testament scripture today. So if you want to open your Bibles, if you got one, to Exodus chapter 17. Again, I encourage you to have a, have a Bible with you. Um, but we will put it up on the screen. Uh, maybe we will. I don't remember if we got it up there. But if we didn't. I'm sorry. If we did, good job, Carrie and team. We did. Oh, look at that. We. <laughs> we as in Heidi. All right, so I'm going to read the text. Here we go. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Raphidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people And take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so. And in the sight of the elders of Israel, he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is God's word for God's people. All right. So for this week, we just took the text right out of the church calendar. So we just took it right out. And so it's a wilderness passage. 
So why do we have wilderness passages in the middle of Lent? Yeah, that's a good question that I wasn't prepared for. Uh, why do we have I wilderness? You were. I was, but <laughs> you just I wasn't ready for it yet. Okay. I guess. Okay. <laughs> Ask me later. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, so Lent is about wilderness in a lot of ways. It's about a, it's a season in the church calendar where we we go out into a place that's dry and weary in some ways uh, because we get clarity there. And God speaks to us in the wilderness. So it's a tradition throughout Scripture that the prophets would go out in the wilderness and meet with God. And uh, like Jesus went out in the wilderness and prayed and met with God. And here we see the whole body of Israel going out into the wilderness, God leading them into the wilderness to meet with God. And the whole point of their wilderness journey is that they would know who God is. And that's really what Lent is about, that we would discover who God is and who we are. We have these epiphany moments through epiphany, and we have some oh me moments um, as we come face to face with who God is and who we really are. And that's, that's why this passage, I think, is in the midst of it. It's about the journey into the wilderness. Did I answer the question? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think Lent is about the harder days. Like epiphany, we're looking for the light. We're looking for the brighter side. And many of us would prefer to skip looking at the, the darker. And the, I'm not all. There's Joanne. She's like, eh, not all of us. But most of us, many of us would prefer to look at the glass half full. We just prefer to stay in the lighter days. And Lent invites us to look at the harder days and to see what God's doing below the surface there. So today, for this message, we're going to start by teaching you, if you haven't heard, you might have heard this word, liminal. I love words. So Jamie and I were reading the passage, starting to talk about, I'm like, this is liminal space. So liminal is not a word you're going to use with a friend when you're out on a walk, or you're not going to probably, I've never used it with my friends when out on a walk, and I love the word. Um, but it's a beautiful word that helps to explain a like a theological concept. So I studied the word a little bit more this week, and it was fun to learn the word. It even helped me understand more. The word liminal or liminality comes from a Greek word, lemon, and it means threshold. And this made so much more sense to me. So we have a picture of a threshold up here. And a threshold is the idea that you're not in something, right? You haven't gone in and you haven't, you haven't gone back, but you're just, you're in this waiting space. So with liminality, you, you don't know what's yet to come, right? You're in this place where you don't know what is yet to come, but you can't go back. Like something can never be the same as way it was before. So some examples of this, some simple examples are when you're pregnant, right? You are never going to be the same again. Your body's never going to be the same again. Um, but you're not fully, completely, you're a mom, right? You are a mom, but you're not a mom because you're not changing diapers. You're not waking up. You might be at the end. You're not waking up in the middle of the night. Like it's not fully. So you're like in a, a threshold place. And that's kind of a nice threshold place. Um, some other threshold places, I was thinking about specifically when we teach on mission trips. So a liminal space, let me say this, is any time you are removed from your usual patterns. So sabbatical, that's a great, that's liminal space. Anytime you're removed from it or your regular patterns, your, your routine, the way you're used to doing things, and it can be quite unsettling, right? Anytime you step out of that, uh, it can be as simple as going on a trip, on a vacation, 
Uh, it can also be as stressful as moving, right? When you move somewhere near, somewhere far, somewhere else, you're in a new home. You don't have your community yet, but you can't go back to the way it was. Uh, and I think of mission trips. Uh, this is a space where you're choosing to remove yourself from your regular routines, from the way you normally do things, and you're saying, God, use me. God, show up. God, God do something. And you'll, you'll most likely never be the same again. And that is one reason why we encourage you to, to go on a trip, to try it. Um, for me, they've been some of the most unsettling and trusting times in my faith. One of the times that I think, this is, this is when I really started thinking about liminal, liminal space, is COVID. I know we don't talk about it too much anymore because everyone's like, oh, please don't. But COVID was worldwide liminal space. All of us at the same time were taken out of the way things were, and it could never be the same, and we did not know what it was going to look like or how long or what we were going to face because of it. The hardest part, I think, about COVID was, is we didn't know, how long are we going to be here? How long are we going to be here? I think uh, one, of the, one of the places of liminal space is when you find out that you're sick. Like, you go to the doctor, and you were, you were fine when you went in. And then when you leave, you have cancer. That's being thrust into a liminal space. You will never be the same again, and you don't know how long you're going to be there. So you did a really good job describing liminal space from a, a negative. <laughs> in a way. I mean, they all sound terrible. Like, yeah. I don't. How many of you like the sorts of space where you're not where you were, <laughs> but you're not where you're going? You love being in that space. The only person that's not okay. I see one head really? nod and one hand. Really? There's two cra two crazy people. The, the rest of us prefer, though, generally, I mean, it's human nature, right, to want the status quo, to want things to be routine and normal and comfortable and not difficult. But liminal space is really a very positive place because it is the place where we learn the most. It's the place where we are shaped and changed the most. Um, Heidi mentions cancer. Like it, it, you, you've heard, if you've been around the church for even just a few years, you know that me going through cancer was one of the defining moments of my life, and it still is. And what I say about it is, I would never wish cancer on anybody. At the same time, I would never take it back. I, I would not have take that that experience away from my life for anything because it shaped and changed me. And I know things about God now because of that experience that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And so liminal space is actually very positive. And it's the space that the Israelites are in yep. here, which is why she was even talking about it. So the story that we're in is it's the Exodus, right? They just have been, God has rescued the people from slavery in Egypt. He did all these huge signs and wonders. Moses took the staff in his hand, hit the Nile, it turned to blood, all kinds of things happen. They eventually get released by the Egyptians. They go to the, they go to the Red Sea, God parts the Red Sea, they walk across on dry ground. Now they're three days on the other side of the Red Sea in, when this story happens. So they're very much in liminal space. They can't go back, there's a sea blocking them. And they aren't yet in the promised land that God talked to them about, but they're in this space where they're learning exactly who God is. I wrote here, they're in, Israel is entering a liminal space. Um, who's in charge? Where are we going? How are we going to get food? Where are we going to find shelter? 
How long, like, what, what's this going to look like? Because um, even in slavery, they had their routines, and they knew how they were going to get food, even if it wasn't uh, an easy space to be, be, to be. I believe there's things that God wants to teach us and can only teach us when we're in a liminal space. I have a quote here, a loosely quote. It's as close as I could kind of remember it. But it's from Carmen Imez, and she studies Exodus. Like, that's her area of expertise. And she says, this time in the wilderness is a workshop of their character, the people of Israel. God is remaking the people, and he's got to get Egypt out of them before they are ready for life in the new land. And I love that phrase. He's got to get Egypt out of them. They'd been slaves for hundreds of years. It's all they knew. They didn't know how to be free. And I think a lot of times there are places in my life where I've been a slave to things, and God's got to get it out of me so that I can be free. And so God has to sometimes, or God allows us both. I'm not sure. Both. God allows us. God brings us to liminal spaces so that he can work in me, work in us to move towards freedom and to stay and to get out of that stuck place. It's, it's the same language that happens in the New Testament, uh, but they change the word slightly. Mm-hmm. Instead, of, instead of like the promised land, the language becomes the kingdom of heaven. And so in the Old Testament, we've got people coming out of slavery and into the land, and God has to get Egypt out of them. And in the New Testament, we've got people living under, under different bondages, and God is bringing them into the kingdom, and they have to learn to live in the kingdom. And the way we say it today is that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we have to learn to live in the new family of Jesus. We, we, are, we come to faith, and then we spend the rest of our lives. We've spent most of our lives being formed by our family of origin, We've been formed by culture, just like the Egyptians were formed by their slavery. They were formed by the Egyptian culture. They, did I say the Egyptians? The Israelites, I meant. And then when they are brought out of Egypt and into the land, they have to get that out of them. And they have to learn to be Jewish and in the presence of God. And we, too, learn to be people, the new family of God, followers of Christ. And what does that look like? It takes a lifetime to figure it out. You're not done. Just because you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are not finished. God is still trying to get Egypt out of you. God is still trying to get your family of origin, the the negative traits, the patterns of brokenness that have been passed down from generation to generation. He's trying to bring that out of you. And so liminal space is really important for that because we come in and we start seeing who God is. And then, oh me, we see, we see ourselves and we see those broken patterns and we're learning to live in the new family of Jesus. Now, John, could we have a set of batteries for her, her microphone? It's starting to go, it went red, I noticed. So you can keep talking or use mine here, use mine. Okay. One of the ways that God was going to remove the way of being a slavery, it's slave, is when they were slaves, they had to work seven days a week. They had to work all the time. And so one of the rhythms that God was going to teach them when they came, when they were in the wilderness that he needed to teach them, was you don't have to work all the time. You work six days and I will take care of you on the seventh day. 
You can rest. I'm going to provide your food. I'm going to take care of you. I will, you don't have to. And that was one area that was like, this is an area where they're going to have to learn how to be free people. And the same is for us. I think many people in the Western culture are slaves to work and we're invited to be free. We're invited to work a rhythm. We're invited to a rhythm of work and rest. And I think a lot of us, like the Isaiah passage, say, no, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it my way. And so we have still the same invitation to rest as that. And in a sense, we're saying, I'm a slave to work. When God's saying, but you could be free. I can take care of this. Oh, you want to switch? That's your microphone. That's fixed. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think it's, it's interesting, though, because... God gives them this gift of rest. So the text says for 400 years they were slaves. For 400 years they knew nothing but work. They worked seven days a week, as many hours a day as it was possible, and Pharaoh made it as hard as he could and made it as hard as he could on them. And God gives them rest. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Like if I work for seven days straight, Mm -hmm. which I've only done a few times recently, I'm like so exhausted that somebody says, hey, why don't you take a day off? I'm like, oh, thank Jesus, <laughs> day off. And these people don't want to do it. They come out of 400 years of slavery and they will not rest. And it is mind-blowing to me. I just don't, I don't even get it. Um, go ahead. Did you have something? No. Okay. I was, this is, this is the good part. So I was thinking about this and, and um, seeing though, there's this gifts, there's these gifts in liminal space, but it, I just want to be really honest with you. Heidi started in the negative of this because we don't want to bait and switch you, right? We don't want to lie to you. This transition space is hard. It's hard on you. And what we see here in the text is the Israelites, uh, they're, they're in the will, it says the wilderness of sin, right? We read the word sin and we think it's, you know, sin and brokenness, but literally the word sin here means glare. It's a white chalk desert floor and the sun is beating down on it and it is blinding and they can see nothing but the mirages out ahead of them. And they're three days out of Egypt, out of, of, of food and water. And God has now made it rain or snow food every night and they get bread. But when you eat a lot of bread and you're in the desert, what happens to your mouth? It gets very dry and parched. Have you ever tried swallowing like lots of bread without water? It gets stuck in your throat. It gets stuck in my throat. It's a thing for me. These guys are getting really thirsty and they are starting to panic. And you know, I, I think about it like we understand thirst. I mean, how many of you have ever been thirsty? How many of you have ever been so thirsty that your tongue was swollen? How many of you ever been so thirsty that your tongue was white and crusty? Nobody's doing that. This is, this is what we're talking about describing thirst, okay? We're talking, you, there's a rule of three with human beings. I don't know if you know this. You can go uh, three weeks without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air, okay? And after those three, you're dead. What was that? Approximately. Approximately. She's like, I can go two and a half minutes. <laughs> Your brain can handle three minutes without oxygen oh. before it starts having damage. Um, and then some people learn how to do that a little better, but most of us. Anyway, so they're three days out of, and three days without water. And so they are starting to feel the panic of not having. And I think we are just, we can all relate to that, but it's interesting where they go. Go ahead. Quarreling. That's where they go. Three times quarreling, fighting, 
in seven verses. The author really wants you to know this is not a peaceful situation. Like, they're short verses, too. They quarreled, and they're quarreling, and they're quarreling, and they're three days in. And I think I heard there's 600,000 people. Is that right? Yeah, and they're quarreling. I was like, oh, that was from you this week. We were talking about it. That'd be so stressful. And they complained. 15 minutes in the car with the kids in the back going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's irritating. But 600,000 people doing the same thing. Yeah. And I don't like quarreling. So I think I wouldn't be very excited. I'm like, great. We all left and you're all quarreling. I hate quarreling. I want some peace around here. And the complaining. So I was thinking too, like at first I was like, God, these Israelites are so obnoxious. But Okay, so when we went camping to Laird and the water was bad, have you guys ever been like, that happens at Laird or you go camping? We could get in the car and it was so annoying to have to drive an hour and 15 minutes round trip to get water, but we could, we could, it wasn't. And I was like, okay, I think it's fair. I think it's fair that they're stressing out a little bit um, so quickly into the, into the journey. So what I noticed though is the, the complaining as um, I was thinking about complaining and lament. Because in scripture, complaining is not really looked at favorably. And so what, but lament is considered um, an appropriate response. So what is the difference between complaining and lament? Usually I think complaining is, I'm gonna go tell Chris, I'm going to tell somebody, I'm going to go to you, and I'm going to complain. So it's, it's direct, and it's horizontal. horizontal. I get these mixed up. It seems so basic. But lament is like usually, right, you're telling God what's going on. And the Psalms is full of people, um, musicians, telling God what's going on. So really, we're invited to lament and tell God all that's going on. That's fine. But we're not invited to complain. Yeah, the people are quarreling and arguing and complaining to Moses. That's, yeah. the, that's the horizontal. Then Moses goes to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because the, I think one of the big differences between complaining and, and lamenting is it's a recognition of who actually has the power to do something about this. We complain to one another with no, like, come to Heidi. I'm like, dang it. And I'm like, she doesn't have any power to change it. You know, she can't change the federal government's tax policies. You know, she can't change the speed laws. She, you know, but, but God actually has some authority over some of these things, you know, when, it, when it's given to him. And that's one of the things that's happening here is that Moses has something that has changed in his heart that has not been changed in the heart of the people. We talked a couple weeks ago about righteousness and justice. Remember this? Righteousness and justice in the Old Testament are the same word. And so it's really confusing to translate. How do we deal with this? And we talked about that righteousness is the interior thing. It's the stuff that's going on. It's a right relationship between you and God. It's a right relationship with yourself and understanding the world and how it works. And that justice is an ex, uh, an expression of that. We do justice in the world. And we might say we do righteous acts, but it really, biblically, it's justice that we do. What, what's happened here is that Moses has been shaped and changed through his experience with God so that he has a right relationship with God. And so he knows, I go to God with these things. 
When, when things are hard, when it's not looking good, when it's uncomfortable, I go to God. I don't turn and complain to my neighbors. I don't turn and fight and argue with them. But the people haven't got there yet. They're still bound up in their old ways of thinking. And they look at Moses and say, well, you're the one with the staff, right? You're the one that, that struck the Nile. You're the one that stood in front of the water and parted it. So they're looking at Moses as though he's God. They don't have righteousness yet. They don't have that right relationship with God. And so it, their expression is to quarrel and to blame unjustly. Does that make sense? So God is inviting us in liminal space to have a righteous heart, to allow our interior life to be shaped and changed so that what comes out of us when it's hard is not complaining and arguing and fighting, but justice, treating one another with kindness, treating one another with respect, walking in faith, believing God for what he says he's going to do. I think one thing worth noting here that I learned this week, wasn't from me, I was like, oh, this is good, is that what's the difference between complaining and lament? Complaining probably has to do with entitlement. I was like, oh, ouch. And lament is an emotional response to what's going on. So a lot of times when, a lot of times, probably has to do with entitlement. And lament is an emotional response to what's going on. Interestingly, in Exodus, when the people complain, God is very patient with them. He is very gracious. In Exodus, he is very gracious with them when they come and they complain to him. However, when you move into numbers, it looks a little different. And his, his, uh, the words and his responses are stronger, and he is not so patient. And the difference is Mount Sinai. So in Exodus, the people are learning who God is. They're learning how he is. They have, in, at Mount Sinai, they receive the words from God. This is who I am. You are my people. And then in Numbers, they've walked with God for a while. They know who God is, and they are still complaining, and God's patience is shorter. And I just thought of that as someone who's walked with God for a while now. He is gracious with me. I just wonder if he's like, I have told you, Heidi, who I am, and I need you to start, stop complaining. Like, grow. It's a way to grow up in your faith, right? To grow up and to, um, I've, I've been around for a while, so I noticed that difference, and I thought it was worth noting. So Moses has had some pretty big experiences with God that has shifted him, and it's interesting that the Israelites have seen the same exact things, right? They have watched the waters part. They've watched the Nile turn to blood. They watched the locusts and the, all the frogs and all the things that happen. They watched the manna fall from heaven. They see all of these things, the same things that Moses has, but Moses recognizes that I am not God, there is a God and it's not me, and that it is his power that has done all of these things. And so God says to Moses, take the staff in your hands. It's this symbol of all of the memories of the things that Moses has just seen. All of the things that the people have seen but have not understood, Moses takes a staff and he goes out and God leads him and he says, I'm going to stand and be in this spot and I want you to strike the rock. The story doesn't actually say, I realize, that water comes out of it, but it does. <laughs> Um, and in fact, 
the the rock the Jewish tradition teaches that the Israelites took that rock and carried it with them for 40 years through the desert and it provided water to them as they went and it's this this image of taking the symbol of God's provision and God's power with you as you go from the place that he led you in liminal space we get led to places that are hard in fact the word horeb here he says go to the rock at horeb literally means dryness so you're in a dry desert, it's hot. Now go to the driest spot in that desert and there I'm gonna provide for you. God is leading you through the, in these moments to the hardest and most difficult place to provide for you there. And what you can carry with you is all of the things that God did in the past. This is the staff that you carry, your memory of how God has provided in the past and it gives you hope through the liminal space, through the times of transition that God is faithful. God is good, and he will provide. And that is how righteousness happens in our heart when we don't turn to complaining, but rather to trust in, in God. Trust is the main thing that we learn in liminal space. Can I trust God? Can I trust God to come through for me? Can I trust that God is who he says he is? Can I, can I trust? Can I, can I trust that God's going to provide water? Can I trust that God's going to take us through um, can I trust that God's going to provide food? Verse 7, they end with, is the Lord among us or not? So when life is really hard, are you here, God, or not? Are you really? Can I, can I trust you? It, it comes to that a lot for me. When life is hard, when things aren't going, when I've been in liminal places, when life isn't how I wanted it to be, and I can't go back to the way it was, and I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, it's, I hear Jesus saying to me, are you, are you going to trust me? Heidi, are you going to trust me? The Israelites had an expectation. Yeah. They had been living in Egypt with Pharaoh who says, I am God. And let me show you how God works. He rules with authority. He rules in violence, he provides food, and he provides shelter, and he provides water. Now they're in the desert, and God is among them, and they're going, well, is God among us? Where is he? I don't see him, except for there's this pillar of fire and cloud standing there, and all of this provision going on, but it's coming in a way they don't expect. It's coming in the ways that they don't think God provides. Their eyes are not yet open to who God is. But we who have walked with Jesus we still come with expectations. We come to church with expectations. This is the way church should be. This is the way I should feel at church. This is the way worship should go. And we miss God because of our expectations. Now, it's not bad to have expectations, but when our expectations are unreasonable or our expectations aren't even what God is trying to do, that's when we, again, turn to complaining. We turn to, to all sorts of divisions instead of trusting God for what he's going to do. And I, I think right now there's a culture in our country where people are actually moving toward what was being called revival in a lot of the college campuses and such. And I think we come with an expectation of what that's going to look like. God wants to do something new among us and provide and lead us through this time of transition. But we're still looking to Egypt and Egyptian ways and the ways of the past of what it should look like. That was not in our conversation yesterday. No. She's like, wow, where did that come from? I don't know. It was in the text this morning. Go ahead. No, I, I, I enjoyed studying this passage this week. 
and I enjoyed thinking about liminal space. Um, I listened recently to a lady, her name is Susan Stable. She's very old and wise. And she said that with our culture now, with how fast we move and how quickly things go, she said she wouldn't, she wouldn't think it's unfair to say that we live in liminal space all the time. And I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear. Uh, and she says, but, and the only thing she said that's good about that is that's where we grow. We grow in liminal space. And um, I think, I mean, I, I hope that as you're sitting here, I hope that you, if you're in a liminal space, that you feel encouraged, that you feel like even if things are a bit out of control and you don't know the end, that um, you're not alone, that God is there with you, just like, just like the Israelites. God is there providing. Um, I, I can think of a few liminal spaces we've had in this last year. I'm like, this has not been an easy year for us. And, um, and yet, I, I feel more grounded. I feel like I have more trust than I did last year. Um, like Jamie said, I would not choose. I don't, I don't like not knowing at all. Um, I like to know, and yet I feel um, closer to, to God. And so as we look at the threshold, the picture of the, of the, um, the doorway, I, I invite you to think, am I, am I in one right now when I, I don't know where things are going? And what's God inviting you into that? I had to grab something. Okay. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm grabbing this. So we want to close with praying for folks. Um, that some of us are in Horeb and in the wilderness of sin. You know, the, it's the glare. I can't see anything else. And it's the driest of dry places. And I just need God to come through. And we're in that place of desperation. And this morning we read from the First Nations Bible, and I wanted to read this again. This is the purpose of liminal space from Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 4. But we must also find joy in our sufferings on his behalf. For we know that when the trail gets rough, we must walk with firm steps to reach the end. As we walk firmly in his footprints, where he's already gone, we gain the strength of spirit that we need to stay true to the path. This gives us the hope we need to reach the end of the trail with honor. All of this is because of creator's great love that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who is his gift to us from above. So there's hope, even in the desert of sin, even in Horeb, the driest places. The, the Israelites have this habit of naming the places that they go. And it's interesting, it's like when people came to the New World, they named it after, you know, the Queen of England or the King of England or the King of Spain or, you know, they named it after all these, you know, powers and rulers and, and stuff. But the Israelites, we have, they went... We have Robert Street. We have Robert Janet Street, Street, Janet Aren't Street. It's funny in our town on Military Hill. But what, what they named this place was Massa and Meribah. They named it Testing and Quarreling. There's some honesty there. And I don't know what place you're in, and I don't know how you're responding to it, but let's be honest with God and name it that. Pullman isn't just Pullman. 
Pullman is pride. Pullman for me. Pullman is is uh, ego. The things that were getting broken in me and being here. And so we wanted to pray for folks who are in those dry places as we we close. Um, and then we also wanted to pray for people that actually have courage. If you don't feel like you're in a liminal space, yay, yay congratulations. <laughs> Guess what? Enjoy. You will be. <laughs> Someday you will be. This is the journey with Jesus. I'm sorry. It seems like it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns. A lot of churches will sell you that, but we can't do that. To be honest, it is not all rainbows and unicorns and easy. There is heaven in the end, and, and there is comfort in the process, but the journey is sometimes uncomfortable. And we make a lot of excuses for not going into these spaces. A great example is mission trips. So we want to invite you to go with us to Costa Rica in December. We've, we've already kind of mentioned it right after Christmas, but I've already begun to hear reasons why I cannot, right? Reasons why it won't work. And sometimes those are valid. Yeah. I'm not saying you're making excuses. But I want you to check it out first and ask God, are you inviting me there? Or is there fear? Is there, is there something else going on that is keeping you from entering a liminal space that is God, God inviting you into? I mean, you're just basically saying, I want to stay in Egypt. I don't want to go into the desert. I want to stay in Egypt. I want to stay at home. I want to keep my pillow. I want... Is God inviting you to go into these liminal spaces? If he is, we want to pray for courage for you. You want to close this in this, or do you have something else to say? Yeah, no. Okay, so that's a real deal. So we went with Bruce, Bruce Arnold, like, what, seven? How long? It's been a long time. And I, I went with a team, and we went with Bruce, and we slept on the floor in a church. And while, while we're watching, yeah, Janice, I have so much more respect for you because Janice slept on the floor in this. It was so loud downtown Portland all night. We hardly slept. And I, when I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I want to go do that again. I loved being with Bruce. He is so good at leading teams, like just being with him. He mentored us in the mornings. We'd read scripture. He'd introduce hard ideas, hard that didn't have simple answers. And he'd just leave us with them for the day. Let's go walk with this. And people disagreed. And he wasn't scared to like poke people's um, uh, beliefs, like in a, in a kind way, uh, and break down your ideas about what you think about justice. And, um, and I thought, oh, we should do that again. I'm like, oh, man, I might, I might be too old to do that anymore. That was really hard, <laughs> sleeping on the floor, and we didn't have showers. And I'm like, I'm not in my 30s anymore. So it, I get it. Like, I get it. It was real. And I was like, I had a little conversation with God about going in, in the food we had to eat like homeless people and you just get so like bloated and <laughs> it's terrible. So I, I, I have my own conversations with God. So you're yeah. not alone. We don't <laughs> like the phrase before you ask Lord, my answer is yes, because of that very thing, unless it's sleeping on a pew. That's what I did. I didn't sleep on the floor. I slept on a pew. Those are made for sleeping on though, because nobody stays <laughs> awake and then they just fall over and go to sleep anyway. Yeah. So, would you close us and pray for us? Yeah. I think that's a great way yes. to do this. Yes. So. Yes. God, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for the sun outside to greet us when we are very tired. I look around today and I see tired, tired faces. Thank you that you're with us when we're tired. God, I thank you for this picture of your people that you led through, through the wilderness, 
through this liminal space. God be with those who are in a liminal space. It's it's so raw. It's hard not to know what what things are going to look like on the other end and to trust you. Help us not to complain while we hang out there in our liminal space, but rather to share our emotions with you. Thank you for the Psalms. Be with us this week. May we adjust to the time together, the new time, and come back to hear Jonathan next week. Continue to give us eyes to see the things that we cannot see. May we be open to change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. One last quick thought. This mission trip that we're inviting you on, I want to invite you to ask God whether or not he is inviting you to go. Not look at your calendar and can I go, not look at your finances and can I go, not look at what's happening and think should I go, but ask God, are you inviting me to go? And if the answer is yes, then God will empower you and make it happen and nothing can stop it if you were willing to say yes. So with that, would you stand with me? We're going to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings You heard nothing else today. No matter how hard it is and no matter what it looks like, the road ahead of you, Jesus loves you. And we love you too. And we're journeying with you. So go in God's grace and in that love and enter into the spaces he calls you to. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you guys next week.